Hello folks and welcome to episode 18 of Dude and the Monkey. Uh, I'm Mark Foster and it's my turn to stay the ship and I'm joined as ever by my co-host. Ian Loring, hello. Um, hello, fucking hell. Today we are covering, uh, I want to say Derek Sea France. Derek, Sion front. Sion front, is it? Sion front. I was a little bit confused. I, I, I just sort of looked and thought, oh shit, how the hell do you say that? Sion front, we'll say. Cool. Um, his um, second, um, what's his third film, but his second major film, we'll say, uh, The Place Beyond the Pines, uh, which stars Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper, even Mendes and other people. I'll go into that in a second. Um, we're also recovering a one old and one new, and we'll be, we're not doing a, a marathon film, however this film is related to our recent Sleazy Storm marathon. It is a contributor's choice, we'll say, uh, and we're going to look at Oliver Stone's Any Given Sunday, uh, which was a lot of fun to revisit. Um, so, uh, without further ado, uh, this is a quick clip from the place beyond the pines uh, and oh, then don't want to do trailers first uh, yes i do actually yeah so before we have a quick trailer from the place beyond the pines um ian what what trailers have you watched okay uh sorry about that right um <laughs> uh full trailer for hangover part three which was fine you know um i, I I'm... I'm actually kind of looking forward to it to be honest I, in a way i am as well it, it, it to me looks like they've gone you know what? This is the last one, and this is probably the last time an R-rated comedy is going to get this much money. Let's mm. just fuck it up. Let's just go mental. And and I I don't know. I have a feeling this one could actually be pretty fucking good or yeah. really bad. Yeah, I mean that's it's a bit I'm, like I can't say I'm particularly looking forward to it, but I'll go in with. I'm ready to be entertained. Judging by the marketing, I, I, I don't, I don't, I think the marketing's been all right. I, I, I do. So there you go. Uh, trailer for Rush, which was good. Very much looking forward to that. Even though I am a little, uh, like the racing scenes, the performances aside, I'm a little worried the story's not going to be all that. But we'll see. Uh, Red Band trailer for Filth, which didn't really give you any idea of what the film was other than James McAvoy swearing a lot and doing lots of naughty things, which is probably enough for most, to be honest. Um, Steven Soderbergh's uh, Behind the Candelabra. Candelabra? Yeah, whatever. Uh, Which looks fun. Like, I'm just very up for Michael Douglas being really, really gay. (laughs) Um, That's that's fine by me. I'll watch that for 90 minutes. Um, uh, Elysium, uh, with, you know, looks fantastic, uh, but I don't think anyone was ever really doubting that. And uh, that's about it, uh, Mark. Um, again, Elysium. Um, I, I mean, do we know? Is it set in a a continuation of the universe that he created with um, District Nine? Because a lot it of looks it, it, it looks but I don't think very it is. similar. Uh, which. It, that, that could just be a particular style he has, which, you know, from the trailer, they might be trying to push that to kind of jog people's memory about how good a film District 9 was, because it was a super film. Uh, watch the trailer again, like you're saying, for Rush, um, and um, I'm very dubious. Um, I, You know, if you're going to do a story about an English motor, um, you know, Formula 1 driver... There are plenty of English actors you could have got to play it, rather than um, Chris Hemsworth putting on, frankly, a ridiculous voice. 
Um, I really hope that, that that doesn't kind of take you out of the movie as it did with the trailer uh, for me. Um, and I, I watched the trailer for Syrup, uh, the Amber Heard film, uh, and it looks frankly awful. Um, and what else I watched? Um, yeah, Filth looks all right. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a lot better than the trailer does it justice for, because the trailer just seems like let's put a load of um, scenes of McAvoy swearing and fucking in it, and then people yeah. will watch it. And it's a bit like, yeah. come on, is the is the you know there's got to be more to it than that? Which I'm sure there will be once we get the other trailers out of the way from it. You know, this was a red band which was there to basically say, look, this is this has got this in it. Um, other than that, uh, not a lot really. It's, it, was a, it was a slow week on trailers, I think. Um, yeah. So, moving, segueing on nicely, uh, we're going to play a little trailer from The Place Beyond the Pines, and then we're going to get in and see what we, we thought of it. My son and I should be around him. I wasn't around my dad with the way I turned out. How are you going to take care of him? I can't think of another line of work that I'd rather be in. You're so smart, you can do anything you want. Just don't understand why you're doing this. I'm a cop, Jeff. Got a kid? You want to provide for that kid? You got to do that using your skill set. And your skill set? Shit to hell. Everybody wants to live, put your hands in the air! 105 in pursuit, suspect! 104, I got a visual on a motorcycle. Tom, it's for me. I'm still his father. I can give him stuff. Hey, I'm Officer DeLuca. We're here to search your house. What for? We're looking for the money that Luke Lanton may or may not have given to you. 14 grand. The lion's share is going to our hero. This is your problem. This is our problem. And I'm bringing it to your attention because that's what I should do. I want to do two in one day. Yo, get up! I'm not going to let you bring us both down. There's a way out of this. You're not going to like it. Okay, that was a little a little taste of the place beyond the pines, um, which stars, as I said earlier, Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper, in Mendes, uh, and Ray Liotta. And this is the second time um, Derek. Um, how is it again? Derek, just call him Derek. Derek, Derek. Uh, this is the second time Derek and uh, Ryan Gosling have worked together. They worked together on Blue Valentine, which was a 
fantastically depressing but wonderful film um, from a couple of years ago. Um, very much the uh, anti-romance uh, film, I'd say, uh, about the breakdown of relationship. Uh, here we get a almost like a father and son fable. Um, you've got Ryan Gosling playing a um, motorcycle stuntman, Luke Latton, who finds out that uh, he has a newborn son with Ava Mendes. Um, and it's a kind of overlapping things collide kind of story um as you know with this film as always we are all spoilers all the time so if you've not seen it and want to see it skip past um because this probably will get very spoilery very quickly i would say um so skip past now so ian uh what did you think of the place beyond the pines uh i thought the place beyond the pines was absolutely exceptional um i after seeing the film, have read other people's thoughts about faults with the film. And I'm very, very intrigued to see what you think, Mark, frankly. Um, but I thought it was fantastic. Um, very, very much spoke to me. Um, there's there's stuff in there that really connected. Um, I, I, I think the performances are all pretty tip-top, you know, um, I, I, I don't know, the cinematography was great. I mean, it was shot on film, and you can tell. I mean, it, it looks fantastic. Um, I, 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 I don't know, we'll get into it. I was a really, really, really big fan. And even though I say that as someone who knew that Ryan Gosling, I didn't know the circumstances, but I knew Ryan Gosling was only in the first third or so going in. So maybe that helped. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know that he was only in the first bit. I thought he was in the. I thought he was. That was it. His character throughout the film, which um, which made me did make me think. God, you know, what is this? What's this third act that people keep going on about? You know, God, what happens there? Um, so you know, we get into the two ideas. You knew that he was going out of it, and I didn't know that he was going out of it. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's an interesting because I I I'd heard reviews of the film <clears throat> from when it premiered at TIFF. That's right, it's an international film festival. <coughs> Sorry, I don't know what's going on with my throat today. I do apologise. Um, yeah. So I uh, yeah I I read uh, and and heard reviews going out at TIFF and saying that it was like a, a kind of a, a basically kind of like kind of three separate stories, but obviously a lot of overlapping. But in terms of focus. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was just like watching a big kind of sweeping American epic, which happened to be about not a lot of people, you know? Um, mm. and, uh, I, 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 uh, yeah, I, I'd really enjoyed it. Mark, go on, tell me. Um, I think the place from the pines is one of the, most emotionally exhausting movies I have watched in a long time, and uh, from literally from the get go, from the the absolute visual start of this film to the end, the visual end of this film, because this film starts very strongly with a, a visual, and then it, it ends very much with a visual, um, and you know, throughout the middle you've got you've got this this sort of story that 
that swings round and then jumps and goes. But it is there's a tone, this uh, this tone of of almost impending doom throughout the entire thing. And uh, there's no moment of that lifts it. There's no moment of levity. You know, even it really, you know, there's a few kind of there's a few moments where you smile or you, or you laugh, but they're they're in spite of incidents. You know, there's a great moment where you know you've got Ryan Gosling dancing to uh, dance in the dark with a dog, and it, it, it's it's wonderful. But super improv yeah, feel to that. It is. It's it's great. But there's there's so many bits where you're looking at thinking, oh my god, he's what is he up to and what what's what's he gonna do? And everybody in the film, you think they're gonna do something really really horrible in a minute. You know something. Something really, you know, cataclysmically horrible is going to happen at some point, and it, you know what what actually happens is um, Derek doesn't go for anything too cataclysmic. You know, there are big events and there are big horrible things, but he he doesn't try and overreach it. He keeps it very much in an absolute realms of a possibility. Um, this isn't movie realism. This is this is very real feeling, um, and I think it is an an absolutely incredible movie. Um, I was I expected it to be. I expected. I hoped it was going to be very good, but once once a certain things happens, and that thing is uh, remember my spoilers. So I'm gonna. Throw out a very big spoiler. We've there. kind of skirted around yeah. it, but yeah, like, I'm a, yes, yeah, if you've yeah. Not it, seen it's, it, it's, please skip. Uh, I kind of, I kind of wish I didn't know, but I'm also kind of glad I did, because I think it settled me into it. Because I think maybe, I, I, I will say, I think a lot of people are reacting. What well, the people who are reacting negatively to it. I think probably are because they went in expecting a Ryan Gosling film, movie. and it's not that that. And do you know what? I thought that was it. I thought that was incredibly brave um, yeah. of the director to essentially, um, you know, kill off who has been the charismatic force behind this film because it is an incredibly charismatic performance. Um, because I think with the Luke Glatton character is he he's telling you. He's a bad guy. Um, everyone else is telling you you're a bad guy, but you only really get to see one moment where he's a bad guy when he hits um, Kofi in the head with the wrench. Um, yeah, that's yeah. the only real time when you get to see that he's a, you know, he's a bad. He's got a dark, dark side to him. So you've spent all this time with this guy, uh, and then. In a snap, bang! It's it. You know he's gone, and then the reason why he's gone is the guy you're next gonna spend your next, you know, hour with. And it's it it, it, it was a big shock because I didn't know. And I think, like you say, that a lot of people might have been going in there going, "Oh, I'm going to see a Ryan Gosling film, and I want to see, you know, what happens when Ryan Gosling and you know and Bradley Cooper clash together, and what happens there." And there is none of that. There is no clutch. And I must admit, it, it did start to sink a little bit. And I thought, oh, fucking hell, right? I was, I was, I was enjoying Luke Glatton's story, and now he's what? He's not, he's not there? And well, I, I, 
I, what was the reaction like in your screening? Because I had a lot of people murmuring around me, and about ten minutes later, a few people walked out. There's no no walkout, um, but a few people. There was a lot of people kind of went, <gasps> and then when it when the um, when he asked in the hospital and says what happened to the guy, and uh, the other officer says, "Oh no, he's gone. He's dead." And a lot of people went, "Oh." Yeah, and like, don't don't worry about him. Just another bad guy gone. Yeah, and, you and, know, and, and that's it. That, that, that's that's it. And a lot of people were kind of like were a little bit kind of like shuffling for the next ten minutes, but then the film it, it, it get it keeps going so quickly, and it doesn't it doesn't go from because you could say this is a three act film, and it is essentially a three act film. Um, it's very 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 defiant. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. That question. Uh, but it, it doesn't go, right, this is one act and this is the feel and tone of this act. And then this one has this different feel and tone. And then this one has this different feel and tone. They're all of the same. They're just, this is about this bit, this is about this bit, and this is about this bit. And, I mean, I, I liked as well that, you know, what's going on in the film are kind of taking on, again, kind of classically american kind of tropes like the kind of like the guy who has to rob banks to try and support those around him and then the the young cop who finds himself getting involved in corruption mm. and then the young kid who finds himself getting um drawn into like a, a, a darker side of life you know and I, I mean like those kinds of things but in the end of the day, those aren't the stories that see on France or Derek. Uh, is that really that? See on France. Problem. I can get that. I can get my head on that. See on France. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, cool. <laughs> those aren't the stories that he's really super interested in telling because the whole, the whole overarching thematic thing is how you treat your kids and how they will turn out as a direct result of that. I mean, like, the, I mean, uh, you know, the, the Ryan Gosling bit. I mean, to be honest with you, I think in terms of that, I think the Bradley Cooper section has an awful lot of strong material. I mean, Ryan, the Ryan Gosling um, section on a visceral level um, has an incredible amount going for it's it. It's a great and, crime. And, that, that's the crime element of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's thrillingly shot, and I mean it's intense as all hell, I, I mean, incredible. But then the second the second act, you know, just the idea of Bradley Cooper not being able to look at his son, like that scene with the police psychiatrist is amazing. You know, even though I mean maybe it doesn't help help Bradley Cooper that you know with Silver Linings Playbook he had a lot of scenes where he was with a psychiatrist as well, so it kind of brings that up in your head just even though obviously that that's a coincidence but the the, the fact that it, it's getting down to him not being able to look at his son and then how that affects the third act mm. you know like the, the, the fact with 15 years later and obviously that one like second long moment in his life when he shot Ryan Gosling out the window has completely affected everything in terms of how he's treated his son and how his son responds to him because of it, you know, because I, I mean, his son is a little dickhead. Oh, he's, he, he is the epitome of, you know, overprivileged little shit. 
Yeah, yeah. Whereas Dane DeHaan, um, who I think is great in in, in this as well. You know, the um, Jason. Uh, Dane DeHaan, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, do you know who he reminded me of, both in a, a physical look and in just a confidence of uh, of like an acting prowess that he seemed to have. He reminded oh. me very much of uh, a young DiCaprio. Sure, um, yeah. In the terms of you know, in the way he held himself and the way that you know he's going up against now, Bradley Cooper is becoming a bit of a. He's becoming a bit of a heavyweight, you know, and he's he's covering genres quite well. He's fucking fantastic, is Bradley Cooper. He is, I, he is wonderful. No problem with saying that. No, um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the best way to do it is if we just kind of quickly go through each section and just say which we like, which, what we like sure. about each kind of section, uh, and then that'll take us to sort of like a, a summarising bit because. Because, um, like you say, we're going we're gonna to end up overlapping over it. We're end up I just, it. I think, I think you could talk about this film for ages. I, 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 I really do. I, I, I definitely think we, we, we definitely can because I can, I can skirt through my fucking uh, one hundred one news quite quickly. Um, sure, I, I, yeah, I'd be fine with uh, that. What I will say is the opening, the opening shots mm-hmm. of him with the flip knife, constantly flipping it. Um, Without the shirt, and you never really get to look at his face, and the fact that he's called Handsome Luke, um, and you know the fucking the jailhouse tattoos and everything like that, um, and the fact that he's flipping the knife to get himself, you know, fucking wound up, um, and you know you got you know Mike Patton um, of uh, Faith and More did the did the music for it, um, and the music is incredible um, in this movie, and it fits the mood so well, but confidence of um, Derek Sam France um, there um, to, to, to basically do a shot like that that's, that to me was very much uh, it reminded me of the stuff that's been coming out of um, South Korea um, in the sort of early noughties uh, late nineties, um, the kind of the, the bravura kind yeah, of and one tracking shot and kind the of thing, color yeah. palette um, of that. Uh-huh. It very much reminded me of that, and the fact that you know, all you, you know, there's no, you never see anybody actually speaking, but you hear them talking. Um, but you know, the focus is never on the person talking; it's on what's going on around. And like you say, it's you know, they basically say this, this is the fucking star of the show. And I do that, and then the fact that they don't make him an arsehole, and they don't, you know, he's he does the right thing, or what he thinks is the right thing, you know, with the, you know, who's that guy? Oh, he's, he's yours. And I love that moment. I like just that, and his like day. his reaction. It, it's, oh. I mean, the, the thing about, about Gosling is, I mean, this is, this is a, a perfect. Um, advertising for Ryan Gosling is that I think the reason why Ryan Gosling has now said that um, after the Terrence Malick film he's taken a break for a couple of years uh, for at least a year I think part of the reason for that is, is he had he had trouble with the um, Lovely Bones yeah. um, where he basically he couldn't work for a period of time because he was in dispute over leaving Lovely Bones and then when he came out of it, he basically just started working and has continued to work for like a good two, three years. But his idea now is that people have gotten to know him too well. Yeah. And so they don't see 
the, the character they see Ryan Gosling. And that's very difficult. And I think he has been very good at judging the fact that at the moment there seems to be a bit of Ryan Gosling backlash. Um, and, you know, Gangster Squad wasn't brilliant, didn't fare brilliant. He's not, he, he's very good in it, but he's not great in it. He's not great in it, no. Uh, but I mean, it, it, I mean, fuck. I mean, like, to be well, honest, though, film. no one's great no. in Gangster Squad. Uh, you know, it, it, like, just no. But that shot there, that scene there, where um, he says, you know, he's yours, the reaction, and the fact that he doesn't, again, um, sort of go, he doesn't put a hand over his face and start trembling or anything like that. It's just a there's just a facial reaction and he reacts and say shit and yeah. it, it like you say it's a wonderful shot um, and then it's it, it peppered it in this just this absolute fear over what to do I mean, that's 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 the thing like obviously I'm not a father you are but like that that whole kind of like instantly it's almost like a biological kind of thing of like right i've got this now and i've got to, i've got to deal with it but it's like this is for like five seconds ago i didn't know about this this is now the most important thing yeah i mean you know he 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 displays that very well the the, the i mean one just jumping onto the uh the, the, the point that you were just making there the um the maternal sort of instant thing, um, it, it does exist. You, you, your body does change. There is nothing more sobering, uh, and I actually mean literally sobering, than yeah. coming home a little bit drunk after a night out, sending the babysitter off uh, to go, and then the minute your kid cries, that drunk feeling goes, and you yeah, just yeah. hit into autopilot. And it is this maternal thing, and it is this. That's the reaction his character has of right. Okay, I need to, I need to stop travelling with the, the circus thing, uh, carnival. I need to get a job. I need to start buying. Money. Should we be boyfriend and girlfriend? Should, should what? And it, it, it's that. But because he's not the brightest of guys, he, he gets it all confused. But it doesn't make a point of telling you how dumb he is. You know, he's not dumb. He's just not smart. And then he runs into um, Robin, um, who Ben Mendelsohn, yeah. who is magnificent, uh-huh. as usual. Um, but you know, we've we've not seen this side of Ben Mendelsohn since uh, Animal Kingdom, which again, he's he's wonderful. But you kind of he was one of the first characters where I thought, right, shit, what's he going to do? He's going to do something. But it, it turns out he, he, he's not. He's actually he's, he's he's actually just a lonely guy. Yeah. Who just sees somebody who he can help, and who can be his friend, and the fact that well, got... yeah, yeah. I mean, like that that initial shot where Luke is just riding through the forest really fast, which is amazing. Yeah. All, all the riding really fast stuff because also particularly there's a cut before that shot, and I wish I could remember the scene. But it's like he's just been shot down about something. I think it might have been the, uh, he's in the diner and he's talking to her, and then she's just like, "It's a nice dream," you know. Yeah. And that, that just, and it's like, bang, 
and it's just like he's driving fast, fast, fast. And then you've got Mendelssohn like along with him as well. And it's kind of like the reveal, like he's going to be like a shady character. or So it's playing up <laughs> that, that, that idea. Yeah. 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 Very, I mean, obviously playing that up and then subverting it. You know, I like it, it, it's. I mean, it, 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 there's a few things like that in this film where it's. Um, it amps it, 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 it up and then all of a sudden it goes. Oh, uh, not yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It kind of it twists it twists things around. It's kind of it's doing the things you expect it to do, and then and then it's playing with them, but not in a like oh I caught you out kind of a way. Mm. It just feels very natural. But um, yeah, I mean Mendelssohn is amazing and. I mean, there's there's a music cue around this point oh, as well, wow, which that is music in the trailer, um, and it's also in the third act yeah. where um, Jason has just been to talk to Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, and it, it, and it kicks in. It's it's the music that's at the end of the trailer, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. When that first it, kicks in. I I I'm, I'm not joking. I literally melted in my seat. Yeah, yeah. That I think that was the first moment where that that music cue kicks in. Where he's just outside the um, trailer, and he's just about to get into the trailer um, to show him what the trailer's like, and that music kicks in. And at that moment, I thought that it it went from right, this is this is a good film to oh my god, this is incredible. Yeah. It, yeah. In terms of a director knowing when to go now. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, it just. I don't know the whole. I mean, I know we were doing it chronologically, yeah. but the whole thing just like I got, I got some shit going on in my personal life at the moment, which I won't get into. But there was a lot of stuff in this that kind of like spoke to me like that, and just like things like the mu that that piece of music just amp it up so so much that it just it 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 already feels like a film that's gonna linger you know it, it feels like a film that will stay and not in the way that like a film like drive does where it just like it pushes all your buttons in a kind of an entertaining you way just like a yeah holy shit drives 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 a stylistically cool movie yeah drive will stay with you um because it, it it's fucking cool and the, yeah. the coolness of it is is timeless but th- this is, th- yeah, exactly, it, it's very well put. Um, but, I mean, this is a film which takes on, like, even though, like, obviously not, not everybody robs banks to, like, you know, whatever, or is involved in police corruption, but it's universal themes mm-hmm. of I, I, what I, you do and how that affects the next generation, and it's that kind of shit that it will linger, and it does feel like it's going to be talked about in 20, 30 years, mm. but not as a film of its time either, because it's got a, it feels fairly timeless oh, without to me question. as well. Yeah. I mean, there's a great moment it, it, within that, that scene where um, Luke says to Robin, oh, it must get pretty lonely. Um, and, you know, Robin kind of, he, he dismisses it a little bit and doesn't really answer it. And then later on, in basically the same place where um, Lucas said that, his son, Jason, um, says, oh, were you and my dad good friends? And he says, yeah, we, we were. He was a really good friend of mine. And you think, well, they were good friends, but they only knew each other for, like, what, three weeks it's supposed to be, three, four weeks? Yeah. Uh, because it does say, you know, that, it, that Luke had only been in town a month. And he basically meets him very soon. So 
you know, he'd he'd only known him for a few weeks, yet fifteen years later, he he still has this genuine affection for him, and mm. you know, and he still he still it's like that might have been the last person that he had a proper conversation with. You know, it's yeah, it's, I... it's believable that 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 when you know the fact that he comes and he's like, ah, oh, I'm Luke with my dad, and he's like, right, grab a beer then, and he wants to show yeah. him different bits and oh, this is what your dad did and he, you know the, the sunglasses and everything like that uh, and there's just so many little cues that, that for instance I know I'm jumping but the fact that he wants to give him ice cream because he wants to see him react to something for the first time and then later on when Jason's talking to Kofi and saying what was my dad like he's actually eating ice cream there's little touches like that that were just wonderful yeah. oh and also it's Thinking about ice cream moment. Um, I mean, uh, uh, Ryan Gosling has almost become a little bit mythic, you know, in just how like Adorable how is. fucking charming he is. Yeah. Yes. And even the way the baby is, like, I love that scene after he um, waxed uh, wax, um, Kobe with the wrench. Oh yeah. And and he, and he takes the kid outside, and the kid's crying. And as soon as Gosling <laughs> is handed the baby, it stops crying. It stops crying, and it just nuzzles into him. Um, it's ridiculous. I... And also, the bit, the ice cream moment, which what it reminded me. I, I, it, or it, it looks like it was the first time the kid ever had ice cream. <laughs> like, yeah, the, 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 the kid. Yeah, the way the kid processes the ice cream. Like he just like kind of lit, smacks his lips a couple of times and then just opens his mouth again, <laughs> yeah. you know. And it's obviously, obviously unscripted. And the way Gosling just laughs along with and that, then, you, and know, and then, you know, that's been the thing. I'll admit, I laughed at that bit. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, laughed, no, it's, it, that's a great bit. It, 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 it's a, it's a smiling laugh of you know that's that's what babies are like, you know. And the, the bit where he's sat. Um, on the the step after he's hit Kofi, uh, where he's sat with the kid and he's just he's basically holding up the kid and he's he's saying you know he's just basically shushing saying it's all right it's all right it's all right and he's kind of he's saying it to the kid and he's thinking in the back you can see him in the back of mind it's not all right I, I, why did I do that I didn't do that and it's at yeah. that moment where he kind of he almost realizes I I shouldn't be this isn't I want to provide for this kid and I want to be part of its life, but I'm, I'm, I'm too fucked up to do this. Well, yeah, yeah, quite. I mean, like, and the fact that he doesn't, like, the last, his last scene with Eva Mendes, he's not trying to win her. He's just like, look, just take this fucking money. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to be, and uh, you know, I'm not going to be around. And that, that, like, the last heist just feels like he knows he's going to get caught. Mm. You know, I mean, like, just everything goes wrong. Yeah, the fact that he's not got... You know, the fact that he's gone out and bought a new bike, but he's not spray-painted it. The fact that he's forgotten his, his mask. The fact that he gets in and there's glass. And it, everything is just going wrong. And that woman chuck it, like, trying to chuck it over. I mean, like, it, it, it's almost like the fates from on high are doing this. Yeah. You know? and, it, and, 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 I mean, like, the third act, we'll get into it. There's... Obviously, everybody knows what... You know, it's spoilers off, but the kids meeting, that feels like it's the fates as well. Yeah, it, 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 it. I mean, the fact is, is once he goes to school um, and he sits down with the kid, you kind of go, oh, they're not going to go there. 
And then you see, like, I, they are. <laughs> they are. I, 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 I was fine with oh, that. Oh, I, 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 I have absolutely no issue at all. Um, it makes perfect theomatical sense in the film. Why that's, not? That's... It, 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 it's just, it's, you know, um, Shinnex today uh, in New York isn't a, a massive place. It's conceivable that these kids would meet. Quite, yeah, ex- exactly. So I, I, I did not have a problem with, with, no, I didn't have a problem with that at all. And it, it, it but I mean, like, just the fact that it, but uh, some people have said that the, the film kind of feels operatic, you know, and in terms of these like big theme kind of things I, and like the sweeping nature of it all, you, I can see that. Yeah. And I fill in the, the kids meeting at the, the diner and, and, you know, and all that shit going wrong in the, in, in with the heists, uh, with the heist even as evidence of that, it's just kind of operating at that higher level, uh, which is absolutely fine. Um, and I'll also say, I really like the transition from Ryan Gosling's character to Bradley Cooper's character. The, the, the way it's like you're following Gosling on the motorbike and then suddenly it's like Bradley Cooper is just driving along and then he spots the motorbike and then you're with, you're basically with Bradley Cooper. Okay, you've got Gosling like going into that house. But yeah, but it, 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 before, before Gosling's gone, it becomes Bradley Cooper's. It, 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 it's a passing of the torch almost. It's a baton where he goes, right, yeah. it's your movie now. And then the fact that Gosling sat on the thing, uh, and the fact that the first sort of proper, you know, thing that you hear Bradley Cooper say that isn't him talking into a police scanner is shit as he shoots him, and he, he almost shoots him by accident. Yeah. And and then and then you have the, it closes down, and then he wakes up in the hospital bed, uh, and you know that something's not quite right as he starts to try and take out all the things, and he's like, oh, oh, um, no, wait a minute, I should be taking these things out. And he, he breaks down a little bit, and yeah, and then and then fucking Ray Otter comes in and scares the shit out of everybody. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's it's Ray Liotta doing the Ray Liotta thing. I mean, like, to, it, they, it almost felt like they cast him just because, like... He's Ray Liotta. <laughs> He's Ray Liotta. He's gonna do his thing. He's not gonna stand out. No, I mean, he, he, the, it's just Ray Liotta. The Ray Liotta bit where, um, where where he's um, just after uh, Bradley Cooper's um, character has basically told the police captain that that they're you know that they're corrupt essentially, and he comes out and that he's talking to Ray Liotta's character. And then he goes and gets in the car, and then really Otto's character pulls him over, yeah. and comes to the car and puts his hand on top of the car. At that moment, you look at really Otto and you're going, "He's fucking terrifying." The, the the way that he's like, it looks like he's trying to psycho Bradley Cooper by just peering in really slowly. Yeah, it's it, it, his it, eye just kind of creeps in. It, <laughs> it is. It is. It, it it it's wonderful the fact that really Otto is is an actor that can shift between this, you know, very you know, uh, very dramatic, very weighty and very stoic film um, and he can shift to, to doing comedy by doing exactly the same thing Yeah. <laughs> um, but in this, he is he's terrifying uh, in, a, in, a, in a very good way um, 
and the fact that Bradley Cooper doesn't seem to have a clue, you know, about what to do uh, until he decides, right, I'm going to play the angles here, and works out a way to to benefit himself. Yeah, I mean, like it, it, even though, like it, it's and well, it's at a cost though because he wanted to be a cop. Yeah. Like he didn't want to go like just follow in his father's footsteps, tellingly, you know. But he basically has to because it's either become the assistant district attorney, yeah. or probably get killed. Or get killed. There's a moment <laughs> I think where he realizes what what he can do, and it's when he's in the pool with his dad, um, and his dad makes a reference for him, you know, you know that he could be fucking president. And there's a look where he's like. I'm thinking way fucking too small here. Yeah, yeah. And then it, then it's when he comes out with the idea and the fact that he's so fucking arrogant in that in that way he's talking to um, Bruce Campbell, Bruce Greenwood, yeah, Bruce Campbell. Uh, <laughs> that would have been a different. That film. would have been different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking to Bruce Greenwood, who again is such an asshole in this film, like the fact that he won't shake his hand. But what reason? You know, he's doing essentially what Bruce Greenwood does. He's doing the same thing. Um, but even in the first interaction they have, where and I think that's a it's a wonderful scene where Bruce Greenwood comes in and he's asking him questions about it, and Bradley Cooper's going, "Why are you asking me these questions? Why why did you, why did you come down here? Was it quiet a day? Yeah, and he's and like, that not moment, really. That, that's the moment where you kind of get to know that." Bradley Cooper's not this sort of like meek, nice guy. He's got a bit of a fucking edge to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a great moment. You know, that, that's a wonderful moment where his character, it, it, it gets another level. Because all you're thinking is, is, oh, look, he's fucking, you know, Boy Scout at the moment is where, is where you are with him, that he's this clean-cut guy. And then when he does that, it's like, oh, no, he's got a little bit of fucking attitude about him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, um, but I mean, also, like, uh, going back to Ray Luther in a way, um, he also kind of helps Rose Byrne have her scene of the film as well. Yeah. Um, where where it's like, and then when it goes to the third act, it's, there's no surprise they're divorced, then it almost feels like that kind of that specific scene almost kind of sowed the seeds for the, the seeds of their divorce as well. Yeah. Um, like, go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just just like how obviously put out she is, mm. like just obviously put out, and yet Cooper's character just ignores the signs. But like the the way she she plays that, it's it's not a film that like the female performances. It's not offer a hell of a lot. No, it's, it's, but she gets her moment. There. I mean, this this isn't a this this is a male centric movie. Um, it's not a masculine movie. It's not a. It's not a film that portrays women in a bad light or anything like that. It's just simply, in the most basic terms and non-sexist terms, this isn't a film about women. It's a film about about um, fathers, and, fathers sons. and sons essentially. Yeah. And I think I don't think that you know. Different, you know. I don't know how women react to films because I'm not a woman, you know. Um, and I, you know, I, women don't know how men react to films. But there are there are certain films where men and women react different, and that's not 
oh, um, women react more to romantic comedies and romance films. But that's not what I mean. For instance, Martyrs freaked the fuck out of me. It got me really badly. But Becky, it didn't get her as bad. And I've, I've spoken to other um, couples who've watched it, and the, the, the females been like, I don't think it was that bad. And the guys been like, oh, it, 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 fucking, it, yeah. it, it got me. Um, this, and the Grey was another one, I think we mentioned the similar thing about that. You know, it's it's a breakdown of, of masculinity. I think this is very much this because because it's about father-son relationships um, and anyone who has a, a fractured relationship, we'll say, with their uh, father, um, I think, you know, I'm not saying a bad, I'm not saying their father beat them or never spoke to them or they never knew them, but just had a general kind of not, you know, perfect relationship with their father, we'll say, um, will kind of, will have, um, you know, little fucking wounds pushed by this movie. Uh, yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah, and I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I get on with my dad now, uh, but there, there have been moments, uh, in the past when I didn't, and I can definitely see that, and, like, his decisions and how that's kind of affected me, like, it, it, not, again, like I said earlier on, it's a completely universal thing, you know, um, and I would just like to take a break for a second to say, I'm just trying Cobra 0% alcohol lager for the first time, and it's, not as bad as a lot of zero percent alcohol lagers. Anyway, sorry. Because some of them are, are, are awful. Some of them just taste like indeed. Some of them just taste like a bottle of chemicals. It, it just like I I wish like the sweetener kind of thing. I I wish there was a way of mm. lowering that a bit and just having it kind of taste like a pint because there's <laughs> yeah. always there, there's always like a sweetener aspect to it. But uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know what you mean the the, the the really hot scene where it's basically Rose Byrne and really hot. Each of them try to get one up. The fact that he calls her on her sarcasm and sort of says, you know, a bit of a sarcastic tone I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. And she's very much like, no, 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 no. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's like she's not afraid of him. Um, and, you know, a little bit like Brandy Cooper is a little bit in awe of him. But she kind of sees. Do you know what? This in fuck there's, there's something not right here. You know, I don't like this. Uh, and, but, and, but, and again, we don't need the scene where she pulls him off and says, I don't want you to do this. And he's just like, oh, but I got it, I got it. You know, it, they don't do they don't, that. They don't go there. He, he just, he goes. Um, and then he, you know, he, he quickly realises this isn't, you know, the fact that when he sees uh, Eva Mendes, you see her, because he comes in last, and Ava Mendes, as they start walking through, she notices who it is. And yeah. because he's been on TV and stuff like this, she notices and she starts kind of trembling a little bit at, at who he is. And he says, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry for your loss. And there's no, like, beating him his chest or anything like that. It, it, there's yeah. just, she just walks off. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they, they take the money and you've got that, that whole bit. Um, I mean, I'll I'll say that the, that middle section is a section that didn't quite get me as much as the the first and the second section, but it's still incredibly good. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, 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 I 
I mean, it just in terms of the the overall arc of the film, I think I think it it fits very very well. There's, I mean, there's more story built in that section than in either yeah. other section, without question. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It just it um, it it's not the the punch in the face that the the, the first act is. Mm. Yeah, but I I it just, I mean, that, that, you know. It, it's the the balance of the film may be ever so slightly off, I suppose, but that that it, it's severe nitpicking if we were to say that there's a problem with that because uh, there is yeah for, for me that's for the, me that, anyway it wasn't that's the thing I don't care no, I don't you know it's just the fact that we've been talking about the film for about thirty five minutes now and that's probably the first time we've said something that might have been a little bit eh. yeah uh, right well, so we'll go into the the last bit. Um, that kid's such a dick. He really is. The um, AJ. I mean, even the fact they've called him AJ, which just, yeah. for some reason, makes him seem even more mm. like a dick. Um, and Jason seems like a kid who has just grown up in a, you know, in a not great part of town to parents who are not you know they're, they're opposite ends of the the spectrum you know yeah aj's grown up quite clearly in a you know a privileged background uh, but still in this you know relatively small town america mm. um whereas jason's grown up in the you know not poverty but you know very much the lower end of the social spectrum um, so he's, you know, yes, he's, um, you know, he smokes weed and a bit of weed and it's like that, but that's because it's a natural thing for somebody in his position to do. Whereas AJ is doing it to rebel against, um, his upbringing. That's a fair point. Yeah. Like the stuff that, uh, yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, the stuff that Jason, um, takes and whatnot it's not like he's really trying anything new no and it, you know he, he, he you know yeah he seems very much like he just he'll just have the, you know the occasional split whereas yeah. aj seems to want to take it further quite yeah yeah exactly i mean i i i, I liked the um like aj's kind of like, like kind of manipulation of him because at first he does he does seem like he genuinely wants to be friends mm. you know like like aj wants to be a friend of jason's but then after the the the, the business with the police and whatnot it, it it does it does turn and that scene where aj's saying like you know yeah i'm sorry about that it's all good it's all good okay yeah it's all good yeah you do you want to come to my party? No. Well, you're coming to my party. I thought it was all good. Like, and, like the way that escalates. And then, and then, and then yeah, he's basically saying, oh, and and you, you're going to bring the the drugs you owe me. You don't have to yeah, bring. Yeah, yeah. You bring the same amount, but you're going to bring them, aren't you? You're bringing them. You're bringing them. And it's very much yeah. like that. Um, but the scene before that, where they're in the the police station, and um, Bradley Cooper's um, character getting you, and he works out where he says, "What, what did you say his name was?" And he works out who it is. Yeah, yeah. And he's very much. He basically goes and says, "Can you turn the mic off in room three? And at that point, you think, "Oh, he's going to go in and talk to Jason." And then he goes yeah. to AJ, and he's he's like, "Stay away from him." And it's because he knows it's not to protect AJ; it's to protect it's Jason. It's to protect Jason. And yeah, totally. And it, it it's very much. Uh, he's more concerned about 
about Jason and about AJ not fucking up Jason's life than he is about because yeah. he knows I can protect AJ from whatever fuck-ups he gets in. I'm powerful enough to protect him. Yeah. But I don't want him to fuck this kid's life up. And the, the fact that he's slamming against the thing, telling him to stay away from him. Stay away from him. And you see AJ is, is genuinely terrified of his dad. But you know straight away he's going to... That's not the end of it. He now... It, it's that moment where he he decides, that's it. I'm going to... Why do I have to stay away from him? I have to stay, stay away from him. You know, my dad fucking hit me and did that to me. And it's that kid's fault. I'm going to fuck him up for that. And it's yeah. that. The, it, the fact that you get the feeling that Jason is quite an intelligent kid, you know, he's quite smart, whereas AJ is thick, quite clearly, he's obviously stupid. But even though he's got the kind of the the, the smart, the charisma, but, yeah, 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 that that's yeah, that is it, the charisma, yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, and you know, there's and already they're introduced at the fact that um, Jason a lot of the time is on a, a BMX. Mm. Um, and he's riding on the BMX and that and it, 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 it that links in with the bike thing and I'll be honest in the trailer there's a shot you know where they're coming out from underneath the bridge yeah and uh, you get a shot from the back and it's in silhouette and it's Jason riding the uh, BMX mm. I thought in the trailer that was Goslin yeah so did I so when that happened it's like Jesus and I, 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 I I thought it, you thought it, I'm sure you were supposed to think it was. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, yeah. And it, it, in fairness, though, I mean, the marketing barely has anything about the kids at all. I mean, does it? Yeah. It, it's framed like Ryan Gosling versus Bradley Cooper. Yeah, which which makes you think, did they know each other or something like that? Which is what I thought it was going to end up being, which it wasn't. Which is, is even better, because I was surprised, and I love being surprised by movies. Um but yeah, um, the the kid um, who plays um, Jason, what did you say his name was again? Uh, oh, Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan. Um, he's he is very good. The kid who plays AJ is probably the shakiest in it. Um, but that could quite simply be because because he has no moment where he's a likable character. Even though I will say he because he's putting on a persona a lot. Yeah. And I think he plays shakily putting on a persona quite well. And Dane DeHaan's character calls him out on it a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, 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 but uh, uh, but then, I mean, like, when Bradley Cooper threatens him, he does look terrified. That That's one of, one of the only moments where that is actually that kid being that kid, whereas the rest of the time he's playing up this fucking got this wife beater on and these chains around Chain, his neck. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 that kind of like you said, there's a couple of moments like when he's at the funeral, um, and the mm-hmm. kid, and he's just like he looks quite sort of small and meek and everything like that. And then when you know, whenever he's you know when he's is he, is at the side of the pool there, he always looks he looks like a little kid. And yeah. then whenever he's not around adults, he's you know chest out and fucking yeah. you know all you know hair slipped back and all full of bravado. Um, that you get there. Um, did you think that he'd shot him? Um, I was uh, I, I was unsure. I was unsure I, completely. I thought this film is is confident enough to have to have shot him, but it's also confident enough and 
well placed enough to have not gone that far and to not have blown its dramatic wad on him killing him. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have been. Pardon me. I think it would have been more obvious if it was just like, like you hear a gunshot and he's there and it's Bradley Cooper just crying or something like that. Yeah. Like the fact that it's like he makes Bradley Cooper take him out to the forest, mm. you know, and it, it's almost kind of like Miller's Crossing esque yeah. in that moment as well. It you is, know? Um, and, and and like Miller's Crossing in, in this, uh, nobody dies. <laughs> Yeah, no, true. Um, I'm sorry, people, that, that was an in-joke that you're either laughing at or going, what the hell does that mean? Um, yeah, uh, people may get that one. Yeah. Fucking hell, Jordan, I'll never <laughs> forgive you. Um, um, but yeah, no, I mean... That scene's wonderful. Where he's... What is it? Um, and the fact that he, he says sorry to him and the fact that he calls him Jason and the fact that Jason then realises... What? He knows... You know, he re- he remembers. He knows that I'm this that that I'm the guy who shot son. Yeah. Um, and then you know the bit with the wallet where he takes the photo out. That was the other moment where my everything just hairs and was just standing on end, and I just I I kind of went a little bit numb at that moment. And it's those moments why um why we love film, why we adore cinema, uh-huh. whether or not uh-huh. that it's not just like, you know, it, it, it's the emotions and the fact that something you're watching on this screen created, um, thought of by somebody and then shot and played out and all put together. And this, this film isn't made and everything to make money. This film is made to, to tell this story and to show you this. And everybody on board is there because they believe that they, they want to show people this story. And that moment where he, where he, he unfolds the, the, the photo and you think, oh, shit, he's going to see the photo of him as a baby with his dad. And this is, you know, it's it's because he's got the hand over the mother's eyes and everything like that. It's it's a showing of, look, your, your dad, you know, you, you've, you know, you've got a dad. Kofi is your dad and he clearly loves you and you clearly love him. But you're biological dad you know he he loved you here is a picture of him in your arms yeah. and he he's got a picture now he's got he's got something he's got a memory it's not something that he remembers but it, it it's now it, that that will be the image of his dad that he will always have in his mind not the fucking police mugshot that he saw on a paper yeah and it, it's oh god it was it was fucking heartbreaking that moment and that was the moment for me where it's like right do you know what it's it's gone above that normal level now of good film and it's it's gone something different you summed it up brilliantly by saying it feels like a a, 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 an american epic and i'm not like a not like fucking an epic story um so it's now in that that level of stuff like there will be blood um, and stuff like that of the that's a good comparison you know yeah. i i genuinely think this is a it, it's a modern masterpiece it's the film that i wanted something like the master to be that's you know these emotions of what i wanted to come out of something like that feeling and i didn't expect it to be this good 
Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the, the the fact that it's coming out now is. I mean, I'm I'm glad we didn't have to wait until Oscar season, but it is a shame that like it coming out now means it's probably not going to get any yeah, love yeah, come it, awards it'll season. Probably get forgotten about by then, you know. Yeah, it might, it, it, it might get a token nod um, for possibly for Gosling to support him. Yeah, quite that, that token nod coming out. Yeah, that's 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 fair. And I mean, I suppose like if it comes out on the home video in the US, like September, October, it might get a bit of notice then. But um, yeah, I mean, I just I I think it's a very very special film. I I was looking forward to it, but I didn't quite expect it to uh, hit the way it did. Mm. Um, I, but yeah, I I, I think you, you know people keep on whenever the, the the annoying thing is is when people I've seen a lot of people come out and say they liked it. Uh, they, they really liked it, and it seems to be people are going. Oh, but what about the third act? It's like, what? Right? If they like it, they like it. What the fuck's wrong with that? I like this movie. I don't have a problem with the third act. I think it's wonderful. It plays out perfectly. It. I think that we were saying it earlier. I think that some people might not like this film. I'm not saying everybody, but some people might not like this film because they thought it was a different movie. And that's not yep. the movie's fault. That's that's you going in with expectation. I, in in fairness, though, the trailer but, does missell it. But it does missell it. But it 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 doesn't missell it. It hides what it actually is. It it kind of because if it had shown young kids, what is it? You'd have thought, oh, well, is that them? You know, is that kid? Um, the kid later on, or is that the young Ryan Gosling, and is that the young Bradley Cooper? And stuff like that, you know, it, it does it bring it into that. So, I think you know, the, I, I thought it was a different film. I thought it was a different film, and it wasn't. And I loved it for that. But just the same token, I think people could go in and have the same reaction and think that it's going to be a different film and not like it because of that. And because Gosling's gone in an hour, be like, oh right, well, the most charismatic character in it is gone now. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, we'll probably sum up now because we've been talking about this film for nearly an hour. Um, I, I, I think it, it, it is clearly my number one film so far of this year. Um, I would be very shocked if I, I would be very shocked and very glad if I see a film this year that is better than this. Uh, I think it's an incredible movie and I will certainly be going to see it here at the cinema before it, it closes. Um, Austin I... Pines shot is the Shots in the Pines, and that music um, that drops a few times uh, is just, oh my god, it's just, it's it's so incredibly right for the film. Absolutely, yeah, the score is fantastic. Um, Yeah, uh, best film of the year so far for me as well. Um, I think there's not going to be any competition for that until, like, year's end, to be honest. We're now getting to blockbuster time, which you know, awful lot of good blockbusters, but I don't think it'll be that. I should make my end of the list. Um, but uh, very, very special film. Really, really, I obviously enjoyed it. You just listened to us <clears throat> praise it for the last hour. But um, yeah, definitely not shit. Definitely, definitely not shit. Um, right, so we're gonna hear a couple of promos, and then we're gonna get into a uh, one old one new, which will probably skip through quite quickly which which kind of suits the the films that 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 i've got because i've only got marginal things to say about them so here's some problems 
Buongiorno. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing on Saturday, June 1st, 2013? Not sure? Well, how do you fancy making it a day of violence, car chases, corruption, drugs and vengeance? For one night only, Blazing Magnum Screenings presents A Day of Crime, an exclusive screening of Mike Malloy's incredible documentary, Euro Crime, the Italian cop and gangster films that ruled the 70s, as well as two of the genre's most essential movies. This man has six million dollars worth of heroin. It belongs to the mob, and all it will cost him is his life. See Mario Adolf chased down by mob hitman Henry Silver and Woody Strode in Fernando de Leo's 1972 classic, The Italian Connection. You know what we need to beat it? A special squad with the authorized backing of the law. They can fight these bastards with freedom in their own backyard. And watch as Maurizio Merli turns his back on the law to take down a brutal machine gun toting psychopath in 1976's Umberto Lenzi thriller, Rome Armed to the Teeth. I want it to be conspicuous, sensational. So join us at our 70 seat of Bespoke Cinema in Moston, Manchester for three great movies in a day of crime on Saturday, June 1st. The Italian Connection, Euro Crime, and Rome Armed to the Teeth. Doors open at 2.30pm and the show starts at 3, with trailers, shorts and soundtracks throughout the day. And there's a fully licensed bar and hot food, so your appetite for refreshment need never interrupt your appetite for violence. Tickets are available now for just £8 from wegottickets.com and for more info, search A Day of Crime on Facebook. Maybe we'll see you there, and if we don't, maybe we'll have one of our friends pay you a visit. Miss it. You'll get a little round hole right between your eyes. It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick to manage shit. You'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything. Action. <laughs> Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> And romance. Now he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such easy prey. Noel Miller presents. You're the problem, you little shit. The Adventures in VHS podcast. Join me, Noel Mellor, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures of VHS or visit adventuresofvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time though. I mean, I must. This is on. You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck 
any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, he wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who would keep a secret. Right, they heard uh, a couple of sections from podcasts that, uh, that we like. Um, and uh, Ian, do you want to give us your first one order, one new? Yeah, okay. I'll, uh, I'll go with my one new. So, uh, Friday night, um, uh, in bed quite early because Donna's been quite tired lately. Um, uh, just scrolling through Netflix, like, oh, fancy watching something. What am I going to watch? So, um, I decide to stick on uh, Ralph Bakshi's Cool World. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> have you ever seen this, Mark? I have, yeah. I, I actually saw it when it first came out. Um, yeah. Bloody hell. It's 21 years ago. Yes, I, I, I did. Strangely enough, my sister rented this film. Uh, my sister is not into films at all. And it was her who rented this film. Um, and I watched it through her. And she hated it. And I loved it. Um, right, okay, interesting. Um, so, yeah, um, Ralph Bakshi's, like, said uh, in years hence that uh, there are an awful lot of production problems with the film, and I, I, I think you can tell, frankly. Um, so it's a live-action animation hybrid, kind of Who Frame Roger Rabbit style, but um, doesn't quite work as well technically at all. Um Basically, uh, Gabriel Byrne is an artist who uh, writes a comic book series called Cool World. But like years, decades before he even did that, uh, Brad Pitt is a World War Two hero who finds himself dragged into Cool World and becomes a kind of a cop. And he's a cop who uh, tries to uh, uphold hold the number one rule of Cool World, that be any humans that come to Cool World don't fuck any of the cartoons. Um, so, uh, Kim Basinger is one of the cartoons, uh, Hollywood, uh, who is trying to get out of Cool World. She drags the artist who, who made her, played by Gabriel Byrne, who, even though it doesn't affect the story at all, has just been released from jail for the murder of his ex. And even though that, like, is meant one plays any part whatsoever and uh she basically i just pause you two seconds get an awful lot of fucking noise background noise at my end bear me two seconds yeah are you getting can you hear me all right hello 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 can you hear me all right i can hear you fine yeah Uh, that call quality just fucking dropped dramatically low for some reason Okay. Um, Why is it trying to fucking... Right, should we come out of this call and we'll, I'll call you back? Yeah, sure. Cool. Oh, oh, even though my call quality thing just got better. Did it? Yeah, how do I sound now? Fine now. Yeah? yeah? Okay. Right, carry on. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, so um, Cool World is uh, nuts. Um, and, I mean, there, 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 are, there are definitely moments of interest in here. Um, like, the, the, the world itself is, is quite interesting. It's this kind of, like, run-down 
noirish kind of world, but with Looney Tunes esque characters all over the place. Um, and, and but I mean the, the the central thing is the Brad Pitt, Gabriel Byrne, Kim Basinger bit. Um, and I, I, yeah, I mean it, it's it, I, I don't know. It, it, it just it doesn't it didn't really work for me. It it it, it adds I, an awful lot of ideas, but that doesn't really develop any of them. And it, it just like Ralph Bakshi. It, I, I've watched a few of his films, and I, I don't really get on board with him very very much, to be honest. So it, it might just be a kind of a personal thing, really. But um, like the, the rotoscope animation and whatnot is 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 quite cool, but. He's kind of like trying to introduce kind of X-rated elements into like a cartoon land. It just it feels a little bit one note, and I I, I think Cool World itself does as well. Yeah, it, uh, it's it's very much a reactionary piece, I think, to the success of um, of uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and it feels it feels quite cynical, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair. It is it is basically doing an adult Who's Framed Roger rabbit it's like the story instruction is just really really oh, go okay um so yeah i mean uh it's it, just like the the, the aspect of uh, brad pitt's mother dying in a motorcycle accident never up in again in the film uh gabriel Byrne, like apparently murdering his ass never brought up again and it, it just the third act basically turns into a kind of loons back in action like cartoons in the real world kind of like thing with a climactic like action sequence which is just people going up a tower and having a fight it, it just it doesn't really fit at all um i mean it, it, i think it would take i mean rough actually it, it, he is a very sure hand he does kind of know what he wants and i can understand production problems have like you know, Kim Basinger apparently like turning up and deciding she wanted to make this a film that her kids could see, even though the film was blatantly not. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I could imagine the studio just like shitting themselves when they actually saw this stuff. You know, it's obvious, but I mean, like, it, it just it doesn't feel like a film that w- should have been made, to be honest. Even though what is there is has moments of interest. So that's cool, world. Cool. Uh... If, if that seemed a bit bouncy, it's because we had slight technical issues, so we hope those are, are, are gone now, and hopefully that my editing skills will have made you not notice until I've just said that then. Um, nice. So my, um, my, I'm going to go with my one old first, um, just because it's a better film. Um, I'm going to quickly skirt through it, um, but uh, my one old uh, was uh, Scanners, uh, which I watched the uh, new um, Second Sight Blu-ray uh, release of it, Um Anyone who's had the um, last DVD of it, uh, the quality of it was not great, to be honest. Um, so this is very much a a, a welcome um, release um, as such, because the quality of it's not been great. So it's nice to have something that's, that's, that looks this good, and it does look very good. Um, the film is um, it, it's typical Cronenberg in the fact that it, it's it drops in this idea and this story very quickly and just has it just accepted. And the idea is that you've got these guys, these people in the world who are out there and they're called scanners. Um, and essentially they can, they have um, telepathic and telekinetic powers and they can control people's minds. They can make people do stuff. They can, and, and also they can blow people's heads up. Um, and 
the basic plot of the story is you've got uh, a, a, a a corporation called Consec uh, who are trying to almost weaponize um, these scanners. Uh, there's a particularly strong one called Cameron Vale that they bring in, um, and the whole sort of plot is um, that he's been uh, you know brought in by Consec to help track down uh, uh, Daryl Revit, who is a guy who. He's basically rounding up the scanners to form almost like a weird kind of scanner army. The reason why I don't want to talk about scanners as much is I want to look at the fact that um, cause it, it's a great film. I think people should go out there and watch it. I don't want to ruin it because there's a lot to ruin out there. But if you look at, at Cronenberg's career from um, sort of, you know, this was when he first sort of started making, you know, you know movies outside of Canada, really. Um with scanners uh, in 1980. Then if you look at the, the sort of the decade that he has, scanners in 1980, Videodrome in 83, Dead Zone also in 83, The Fly in 86, Dead Ringers in 88, and then 91, Naked Lunch. Uh, that's a six-film run of pretty incredible movies, all of which are incredibly unique um, and incredibly original. Um, in in terms of their look and their feel and the you know what they're trying to do and the fact that you know they're very body horror conscious and you know, he he almost created a, a genre in itself of his own that were very much you know when you watch any of these movies they all they all have a same atmosphere to them a similar kind of um, feel to them um, but they're all very different in terms of story. And they all feel like Cronenberg movies. Um, and it's incredible for somebody to have that sort of strong an output over that, you know, like a 10, 11 year period. Are you still there? Absolutely. Sorry, uh, have you gone there? Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, like I say, uh, Scanners, I think we should go and see it. So, I, I think I can say, because we spent a long time on what is it, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Go and see Scanners, go and buy the Blu-ray, fucking great. But Cronenberg, you know, wow, what a, what a 10 year, what, a, what, a, what an 80s Cronenberg had. Uh, so, uh, yeah, ridiculous. It's yes, crazy, isn't it? There's some fucking great movies there, some sort of seminal 80s movies, and they're all his. Um, so, what is your one uh, old? Uh, my one old. Uh, won't spend too much time on this one either. Um, I could get into a debate with you about Domino, but I'm not um, <laughs> because we could be on that for a while. Um, so, uh, instead, um, Barry Sonnenfeld gets shorty, which I probably haven't seen for 15 years, if not longer, but I have seen it before. Um, so and and I mean this was made basically directly in the afterglow of Pulp Fiction, where John Travolta could suddenly headline a film again. And um, I, I I don't know I just I I have uh, I had fun with Get Shorty. Um, even though like because the whole thing's like uh, a mob enforcer turns movie producer kind of a thing. Um, the film references that Travolta's character kind of plucks out of the air. Like the the kind of the lines he's like, oh that was blah 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 and blah blah blah. It just like it feels like, oh god really. Um, it, yeah. It's just like who who actually talks like that. Um, but the the kind of the slightly convoluted cast of characters like 
all kind of doing their dances around each other. I I, I thought it was actually uh, pretty cool. Like Del- Delroy Lindo and um, and uh, Dennis Farina uh, as the, the kind of two bad guys competing against uh, uh, against uh, Chili Palmer, I, I think is fantastic. Uh, kind of an early-ish role for James Gandolfini as well. Kind of basically doing like a nice guy version of his character from True Romance. Yeah. Uh, you know, not beating women violently or anything like that, you know. Um, and, and in all, just because I actually also really need a pee, um, I enjoy Get Shorty uh, uh, a fair amount. It's It's not great. I think I'd say it's only a three out of five, but it, it's, it's it's fun one. Perfectly on. entertaining, is what I'd yeah, say. About right, uh, I'll kick in with my uh, <laughs> my one, one new. new. Okay, go on. Right, so I'm back with my with my one new now. Um, I watched uh, right now. I'll explain why I watched this. Right, I occasionally um, I'm able to watch movies at work. Uh, one of my jobs is I work on what's called an overflow bar. Um, so basically, I work upstairs on a bar on my own, and I only get customers if the restaurant downstairs is too full for people to eat when they walk in. So restaurant's full, they come upstairs, have a drink, and then I tell them when their table's ready, they go downstairs. So I can sometimes watch a film on my phone. Um, now, the thing is, is whenever I'm choosing a film to watch on my own, I have to consider certain things. One, does Becky want to see it? And if she does, or I think she might, I don't watch it in case she wants to watch it with me. And then when I'm watching it on my phone, I basically had Netflix to choose from because I can either watch it on Netflix or Sky Go. Now, if you get interrupted watching something on Sky Go, you have to go back and search through and find it again and pick it up where you were. Whereas with Netflix, it's just already there. Yeah, really? That's kind of shit. It's pretty shit. I thought that. Fucking sort it out, Sky. Um, yeah. So I thought, right, I'm going to watch something that Becky won't want to watch, that I don't mind getting interrupted every fucking ten minutes, if needs be, and that if I only watch ten minutes, you know, I don't have to watch the rest of it. So I started to watch uh, the uh, romantic comedy, which is contains no romance and very little comedy. Um, what to expect when you're expecting. Have oh, seen... do you know what? I watched that last week as well. Did you... So you've seen this, right? Yeah, yeah, I watched it last Sunday after we finished. Did you? Yeah. Right. Um, now, the idea of this film is you've got different stories and you've got different couples. You've got Cameron Diaz and the guy from Glee. Um, and, you know, they're, they're a couple and they, you know, Cameron Diaz accidentally gets pregnant and they didn't plan it, right? And then you've also got Jennifer Lopez and... Rodrigo Santoro, um, who they're going to adopt because she can't have kids. Uh, you've got Elizabeth Banks um, and um, Belle Fancon, uh, who there she's like the you know the the Uber mom to be. You know she runs a um, a shop for you know for people with young kids called um, the Breast Choice, and you know she's she knows everything about mothering apart from the fact that she doesn't have a child. And then also you've got um, Brooklyn Decker and um, Dennis Quaid, um, who Dennis Quaid is um, Ben Falcon, Gary, his father. And he's an ex-racing driver who's got loads of money, doesn't have a lot to do, and, you know, this is his trophy wife. Um, but he's not a douchebag. He's just... 
he's just very used to winning. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, you've got, which makes no sense, you've got Anna Kendrick once again being an absolute dick and um, a, a guy called Marco uh, and I, he's completely pointless. Doesn't have doesn't even need to be there. It doesn't even make sense with the rest of the film because they don't have a kid. The whole point of that is the fact that she miscarries. It's like once she miscarries, that should have just kind of been the end of that story. Yeah. But yeah. Right. Now, this film, I've, I've, <laughs> I have some severe issues with this film. <laughs> you sound it. There is, there hell. is. Because this is a film directed by a guy written by two women, right? There is not a single female character in this film that is even bearable, with the exception of Brooklyn <laughs> Decker, who is the one that you're probably not supposed to like, and I thought she was wonderful. Um, Anna Kendrick just comes across as once again, like she did in Pitch Perfect, as being an arrogant bitch. Elizabeth Banks is the sort of person you would want to punch in the face all of the time. Um, Jennifer Lopez seems like, you know, I don't get it. I don't get She's She wants to adopt a child, but she doesn't even have a regular job. You know, she quite clearly doesn't notice that her husband doesn't want to adopt a child at all. And then you've got Cameron Diaz, who, who wonderfully just plays a dick, you know, She's with this guy who she's... That is the point of her character, really. Oh, it is. Oh, no, it is. It's... It is. And it's a very good performance. She's very good in it. I liked Cameron Diaz in this. Uh, I thought she was very good in it. And she's supposed to be a dick, and she plays it very well. But at the end, and I'm going to give it away, and I don't care if this, you know, we are all spoilers all the time, right? So I'm already giving quite a lot away. But they shouldn't be a couple. They, She's horrible to him. Just having a child doesn't mean that they're going to be a good couple. She's a knobhead and and he is going to cheat on her. Right? Alex, the the kid with the adoption, doesn't want to have a baby. He doesn't want to do it. The fact that he does and the fact that at that point he decides that yes, well actually I do want to have a kid, that doesn't make it a good idea. the only couple who are actually a relatable couple is Elizabeth Banks and Belle Fancon, and I couldn't stand either of them. You know, his dad doesn't seem that bad. You know, the, I would watch a spin-off of this movie that was just a story about Dennis, Cooper, uh, Dennis Quaid and Brooklyn Decker. I would watch that movie, because I thought every time they were on, it was wonderful. The Margaritaville thing. When he presses that the was button good. and it all up. Any scene with Dennis Quaid in it was brilliant. He is wonderful in that movie. And the bit where she tells him off. And, the, and, he, and he, he goes off and he just keeps appearing in the golf cart next to him. Oh, that's right. And every yeah, time yeah. he turns around, he just appears next to him. It's just ridiculous. But the rest of it, there is no male character in this film that is that bad. They're all all right. They're all quite, you know, they seem like quite nice guys. Yet all the female characters are just assholes. And it's, it shouldn't be like that. The fact that, that uh, Chris Rock's kid is, is retarded 
Adasala. He's brilliant. Genuinely made me laugh every single shot of that kid just walking into something or just falling down. The bit where he gets caught in the net. Yeah. <laughs> and he can't move. He's, he's ridiculous. It, the thing is, is there's little moments in this film where you go, ah, oh, it's almost made it worth it. And then something else happens and you think, you know what, it hasn't. It hasn't made it worth it. It's, it's a film where you're supposed to empathise with the female characters and supposed to go, oh, look, you guys have it so easy. Where It's actually a film where you go, I fucking, I, I, God, those women are whingy. And I, 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 I've I lived with a pregnant woman um, who will admit and will freely admit to anybody we talk to that she was a fucking nightmare when she was pregnant. She was horrible. And she was horrible to everybody. She will freely admit that. Uh, and all I could do was just fucking take it all on the chin because that's what you do. You know, and I never... I, I just if, you know, if she were to shout at me for an hour, she shouted at me for an hour. Just let her fucking get on with it. And that's what this film shows. But it shows it in the wrong way. And I, I, I hated this film, but I liked bits of it. What did you think of it? I thought it was alright. Just was what it was. I, I, I just, I don't know, man. I just sat there and I was just like, yeah. I've laughed a few times. It, it's going down the road of what I expected it to. It was alright for a Sunday night. Just it angered, me. it angered me so much. Oh, oh, and 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 the right. I'm sorry, but what the fuck was the point in Rebel Wilson? She was... Uh, there's no it, point in her. Didn't need her. She's the, she's the odd fat woman, like she was in Bridesmaids as well. But, I mean, bless her, she's kind of owning that stuff. I mean, she's kind of using that to her advantage I these days. But. I hate her with a passion. And it's not because she's fat, it's just because she's shit. She's not funny. She's not charismatic. She brings nothing other than every time I see her, I think, I hate you. I hate you so much. That is all she seems to bring to films is my hatred. Right, so that wow. that was what's it's bit what you're expecting, which I fucking hated. But if there was a spin-off of Dennis Quaid and Brooklyn Decker, I would watch the shit out of it because I liked him in it. And the fact that at one point when he says to the kid, when he says to his kid, he's like, he's like Oh, do, do, do you need money? He's like, no, I, I, I don't need any money. Dad's like, are you sure? And he's just holding a big wad of money. And he's going, because yeah. you can have some if you want. And it's not like he's trying to buy his affection. It's just like he's basically him saying, I've got a lot of money, and I, and I want you to have a lot of money too. I think, yeah, yeah. Please take this, because it will make, not it'll make your life better, it, it'll make me happy. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that later on he does take the money off him. Uh, and the fact that he's just still carrying it around with him. Uh, I, yeah, I hated it, but I liked those bits. So, um, we're going to uh, go into our... It's not part of our Sleazy Stone marathon, but it is an Olive Stone movie. Uh, here is a quick uh, clip from the trailer to Any Given Sun.
figure to lead this team is run by corporations. I am not re-signing a 39-year-old quarterback, no matter how great he was. The economics I, just don't work. I coach my way. When the players... They got four years to make their million bucks, and that's it. ...are corrupted by wealth and fame. It's a short life, but it's a goddamn glorious one. Any given Sunday, um, the um, story of the fake—I I think they are—they are fake, aren't they? The Miami Sharks—they're not real. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, I know nothing about American football at all. Um, I'm not somebody who hates it. Uh, I just don't know anything about it. Um, but this is uh, Oliver Stone's take on uh, American football. Uh, you've got uh, Al Pacino uh, playing Tony uh, DiMatteo. Um, the coach of uh, Miami Sharks, who are the second team in Miami to the Miami Dolphins, who are a real American football team, I think. Um, and it's basically how things play out in a season. You've got a great ensemble cast between Al Pacino, Cameron Diaz, Dennis Quaid, Jamie Foxx, James Woods, um, Ladies Love Cool James, Matthew Modine, John C. McGinley... Uh, who else have you got in there? Aaron Eckhart, Elizabeth Berkeley, uh, and you've got a few others kind of thrown in there as well. Um, I I haven't seen this since it came out. Um, I saw it in the cinema. I bought the book, the DVD, and the first time I watched the DVD was last night when I watched it. Um, wow. What did you think of Any Given Sunday? Uh, yeah, so I, I'd also I'd also seen A Given Sunday before, and uh, I enjoyed it when I previously saw it. I, I used to own it on DVD myself uh, back when it was the Snapper case, actually. Yeah, so that was a fair... Snapper case, and the the second disc was kind. Of... It's, it's in a little. It's in a little uh, like plastic sleeve, isn't it? Yeah. Like a white sleeve. I, I, I think at that moment where they went, that was the. Mo- I think that Any Given Sunday might have been the movie that they decided. You know what, Snapper cases. Are a fucking bad idea. Cause what what do we do with this disc too? We we put it nah. Fuck it. Let's use normal boxes like everyone else. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um. So. Uh. But yeah. Any given Sunday. I um. I really. I, I really enjoy any given Sunday. Actually. Um. It, it. It again kind of feels quite kind of sprawling and epic. And I mean the director's cut runs just under two hours forty minutes. Um. It. Uh, 
it, it feels like there was probably a lot of material still on the cutting room floor. Like, James Woods, it almost feels like he was too big an actor for the part he actually got in the film in the end, even though he plays it well. Uh, but, you know, like, the, the kind of the tension with Aaron Eckhart, between Aaron Eckhart and Al Pacino is not very, like massively developed like Aaron Eckhart just wanting to get like wanting him out it, it's never really mm, it, 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 it feels at points like this would have made a better four-part miniseries I, I yeah I mean I to be honest if there was a four-hour long cut of any given Sunday I'd watch it quite happily one evening well the, the director's cut's a little bit shorter isn't it oh is it really yeah the theatrical cut's uh about sort of four or five minutes longer I think and okay, that's he's cut bits out to to to, to speed up the pacing a little bit, um, because when he, he he didn't feel when he saw it the, you know, the theatrical cut, um, Stone didn't feel that it quite it, it quite flowed the way he wanted it to. So he pulled a few little bits out of it. Mm. I, I, I mean, I, and a bit before we just start kind of like praising it, I, I will also say the. Uh, the passage of time is a bit problematic for me in the film as well. It, it seems to be only taking place over the course of a few games. But Willie Beamer uh, come, comes from being a no one to having his own video commercial and being advertised on the sides of buses in what appears to be the space of two games. Yeah. And that is a bit of a problem logistically. But aside from that... Uh, I, the performances are great. I think Al Pacino's Inches speech is dynamite. Mm. Um, I, 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 I would say about the about the uh, Inches speech. There's there's moments in it where Pacino basically says that he's you know he, he, he threw away like a large portion of his life, you know, uh, and he drank away a large portion of his life, and it felt a little bit like a lot of that was coming from quite a personal place, you know. I mean, the, the, the fact that the Pacino himself, you know, in the early 80s was a fucking a chronic alcoholic, um, and it, you know, it, it majorly affected his life, and the fact that he essentially he, he disappeared for like five, six years where he didn't make a film, um, and he disappeared to kind of get sober and to kind of sort his shit out. Which he, you know, which he did, and it, it felt within that speech like there was a little bit of him channeling that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, totally true. But I, but I mean, then also, like, I, I, the, the cast are all decent. You know, I mean, it's ladies love love Cool James, basically playing what you expect ladies love Cool James to be in real life. Yeah, um, yeah, and like, a nice I, I, guy, but very much just out for himself. Yeah, like I love. It's almost like he had written into his contracts that if all the other guys were naked, he would just be wearing a flamboyant shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um. There, there's one moment in in the changing room at one point where everybody else looks like they've just finished the game and like they're just like stripping off, and he's fully changed and he's ready to go out for a night on the town already or something, which is brilliant. Um. But yeah, I mean, you know, Aaron Eckhart, James Woods, Cameron, Cameron Diaz is good as well, you know, and her little thing with Anne Margaret's uh, pretty well done. Um, and, and I mean, you've got Oliver Stone's kind of like in in the 90s kind of trademark kind of spasmodic editing kind of trippy kind of stuff. But it it, it fits into this world really well, like the on field action is brilliant. 
it's incendiary. It's absolutely amazing. I, I, I mean, even even though there's obvious stuff like lions, like roaring. Yeah, but I, that that works. It, but yeah, it, it does it work. Sets the scene really well. The fact that the first sort of proper shot of the movie um, is a a hand um, on an American football about to do the whatever it is they call it. Um, start. I don't know. I don't. Uh, the, hu- the hook. The hook. Yeah, that's it. And the fact that across, you know, it's this big fucking hand over it, and the fact that there's blood on the hand. You know, it, it, it's saying this is a sport of blood and thunder and fucking men smashing a men. Um, and the fact, yeah, that you've got the lion growls and it, it, it feels into that. You know, it it, it works. It, it 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 doesn't feel stupid. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. I mean, like you know, the lightning cracking and that mm. kind of thing. It, it it is it is absolutely fantastic, and it. it it just fits into that world of masculinity like so fucking well. But then also like the the party scenes. I mean like because like the the, the film they, they weren't if I remember correctly they weren't allowed to have it connected to the NFL yeah. whatsoever because obviously it shows some rather dodgy sides to American football. Yeah, and um, we're watching this film because um, Glenn um, T. Chapman is the guy who sort of suggested the sleazy stone thing, and uh, he mentioned any given Sunday. Uh, which didn't really fit into the the sleazy stone aspect of it as, as per se, so that's why we're we're watching this now. But he's a very big um, American football fan, yeah, and yeah. he says that this this film, in the way that it is and the way that it's talking about uh, American footballers, is very much what it's actually like and a little bit ahead of its time, especially with the stuff like the faking, you know, the the covering up of injuries, uh, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and no, I, 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 I can definitely, I can definitely see that. Um, so I mean, but, I mean, it, 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 it mixes that kind of behind the scenes, what you're not supposed to see, kind of the world, like the, uh, the story with Shark and like whether he can, whether he can play anymore, and um, um, you know, yeah, and like mean, James Woods, like swapping the injuries around. And yeah, stuff. I mean, Lawrence Taylor, uh, the guy who plays Shark, uh, he's an actual, he, he was an LF, NFL player, you know, a, a very good one, I understand. Um, he's very good in this, mm. you know. Um, he's it's a very good performance from him in this. You know, he he plays that role quite well. I mean, the whole kind of crux of the film is you've got um, their quarterback, uh, which is almost a quarterback. You know, from what I gather, and I'm, I'm guessing the joint my list, our listeners know it better than me. The quarterback is is the guy who controls the game. You know, it's the guy who controls the players and who comes up with the players and everything like that. So essentially the integral part of the team uh, and that is uh, a guy called um, Jack Cat Rooney uh, this 38 year old sort of veteran played by Dennis Quaid and he gets injured uh, in the first game we're seeing and it's, it, it, it looks like a fucking it's a nasty one and it looks like a career render it, 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 and it probably it, should it essentially have been. it is but they're going to try and cover it because their number two quarterback is a retard uh, and their number three quarterback is Jamie Foxx Willie Beeman um, who, who, by the way, leaves the ladies creaming. Yeah, it, uh, we, uh, fucking hell. which is fucking hilarious. It is, uh, and that J- Jimmy Fox. Um, now, Jimmy Fox is when he comes in, and he's terrible when he first starts, but then starts being really good. But 
it, it's like it's like you said the, the only sort of bad thing there is he does seem to get very famous very quickly um, over the space of like a couple of games and he's like a megastar which I'm guessing is kind of the point but he manages to write record shoot and release a song in like the space of a week uh, and get all these sponsorship deals and become like but his he goes from being you know not having a clue um to being a fucking incredible douchebag. No, well, the thing is, what I like about that, what I actually, what I really like about that, is that he doesn't really ever seem to be kind of like the bright-eyed guy who's corrupted. It, it's like basically, he, all right, he's nervous in his game, but like as soon as he kind of gets past that, he's all like already like within two scenes he's broken up with his girlfriend of like seven years yeah you know and and he's just off and away and i i love that i i, I love the fact that he's already coming at a place where he's got the ego there he's just waiting for something to justify it yeah i mean one of my favorite scenes in the movie that doesn't uh, that isn't um dennis quaid or um james woods is when Lawrence Taylor Shark is cutting his car in two with Henson oh, and Angren. It's just wonderful the fact that it, it, it's very much them kind of saying, "Look, you're you're the fucking new kid on the block. Don't think you can come in here with all your swagger. We've earned our swagger. You haven't earned it yet." Um, and that scene where he's cutting his car in two is brilliant. But the fact that, you know, like you say, it does portray the, the bad side of, of these guys. The fact that they've got these massive houses and they've got all of this stuff, yet they're all really worried about the fact that their careers are going to end. It's like, really? You've, you've, you've got this much now, you know, surely you've got enough. And the fact that none of them have got enough because it, it's all the one-upmanship of, oh, you've got that car, I need a bigger car. And it, well, it, it, sorry. Go on, no, go on. I mean, it's, it almost feels like it's why they indulge in all this excess, because they know that it could end at any time. Mm. You, know, you know, I mean, and, and, I mean that's, the, that's the end of Jamie Foxx's narrative arc in this film, is when he realises that he's not invincible. You know, like the, 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 the kind of the ending before the credits bit, and I really like the credits bit, but I do like how, how the film proper kind of ends before the epilogue, where it's him just saying... You know, my arm's really hurting. Yeah. And, and you know that is going to be the start of kind of something. And it, yeah, it, it, it's almost like, um, you know, it, it, Pacino's come to this epiphany uh, with Dennis Quaid, where, you know, he, 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 Dennis Quaid basically says to him, look, I'm, I'm, I'm fucked, I'm broken, I'm done. Um before, you know, as he's telling him, I'm going to put you in for the next game, he's kind of saying, no, I think you should go with, with Willie because I'm, I'm done, I'm, I'm gone, I'm broken. This is it for me. And the fact that his wife won't let him quit and his coach, you know, Al Pacino, you know, he knows that, he, that Dennis Quaid is fucked and he's gone. But it's not like he knows that he can't win without him. It's just the fact that he doesn't want to put Jamie Foxx in. Well, it's that, and also the fact that, in, you know, Al Pacino's character fought for him so yeah, hard. And it, it, it's just like, look, I fucking put a lot yeah, on the line for you. It, it, it's almost like he doesn't want him to be broken, because if he's gone, 
and he's too old, what does it say about him? That's true. And the fact that you know, he genuinely seems to care about him, but he still puts him in, and then when he sees him, just, you know, getting smashed into him, putting in just this fucking, you know, this warrior-like performance, you know, and the fact that he grabs him at the half-time thing and says, you were a warrior out there. But he knows, if I don't pull this guy out, he could be crippled. Mm. And, you know, and the fact that he is, and the fact that Dennis fucking Quaid can play that so well. Um, this is sounding like the Dennis Quaid appreciation podcast after what I said last time, but Dennis Quaid really should be in more because he's brilliant. And I, he's incredible in this as the guy who, you know, that, that last um, game scenes with him in it where he's smashing into stuff. And he's like the first sort of huddle where he gets in and he's, you know, he's back and they're all talking to him. And you can tell it's just, he's he's not in it for the money. Like L.O. Cool J's character or like yeah, Lawrence yeah. Taylor's character. He's he's not in it for the the thrill like some of the other guys. He's in it because he loves the, he loves the game. He loves the guys. He loves the camaraderie. That's fucking, that's why he's there. It's not about that. It's about being there with those guys. Um, I yeah, I, I, absolutely. Sorry. And the fact that Al Pacino has this epiphany where he sees it and thinks, I need to take him out of it. But that epiphany lasts as long as talking to Jamie Foxx and the fact that he walks off and then in the closing credits bit, he already says that he's going to bring Foxx with him to the um, Albuquerque. And he's just going to do it all over again with Jamie Foxx, what he's done to Dennis Quaid. He's going to run him into the ground. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's even though I love that ending, it's such a fuck you. Yeah, it is. It is it's, it's very much a fuck you to, to Cameron Diaz, who's been an arsehole throughout the film. Because that's the thing, like, you never really got closure between them. And when, like, because I'd forgotten about this epilogue, and where, um, when Cameron Diaz is, like, giving that tribute to him and he's going, like, thank you, it's just like, oh, wow, is that, so that's, that, is it? Mm. You know, and, and, but then it's, it's, it's not. It, that, that, that's hilarious, absolutely hilarious. I mean, yeah, another great scene is, the, is, is James Woods when um, Al Pacino confronts him about swapping the um, scans. Um, and basically says, you know, you 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 you're putting these guys' lives at risk, and, he, and he's basically saying, I'm not putting their lives at risk. They're putting their lives at risk. And do you, do you think they want me to tell them they can't play anymore? They don't. And the fact that Matthew Modine's been so Matthew Modine about it, um, and James Wood is he, he's been broken and he's been corrupted by it. You know, he. He doesn't want to tell these guys that their careers are finished because they know they won't like him anymore. And you know he's gotten very used to the fact that you know he's he's an arsehole just by habit more than anything else. The fact that he's quite clearly cheating on his wife and it's it's referenced almost comically, um, which is how Woods can play those things. Only James Woods can do that phone conversation where he's talking to his wife and he's like Courtney, I don't know who Courtney is, and then later on saying Courtney, come here. Oh yeah, yeah, and then she's like, like, "No, I'm gonna stay here." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, fuck you, get fucking, get fucking nailed by twelve Neanderthals." Yeah, something like that. It's it's fucking get anal or something like it. It's something even worse. And he walks off, and it's just only James Woods can do that. (laughs) Can do that level of just just icky. 
yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I don't, just actually, just going back to what you were saying earlier on about whether Al Pacino would just kind of do all that to Jamie Foxx over and over, like, like over again, like Dennis Quaid's character. Mm. That's that's interesting. Like, so do you think Al Pacino actually kind of le- his character actually learns anything? No, I think I think he yeah. I think yeah. he he realizes things but learns nothing from them at all. And there's a point where Jamie Foxx says, you know, you give the generic speeches. And then you think that the inches speech are, this is above the generic speech. But it's not. It's just another speech to get them going. It's a very good speech. And it might all be true. But it's not a fucking, it's not a moment of realisation. It's not a moment of fucking clarity. Uh, And if it is, it's a moment of realisation and a moment of clarity that he very fucking quickly forgets. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. there's, there's that. It's it, it's who he is. You know, it, 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 it's who any sport is. You know, you might love these guys, you know, but you only love them when they're useful to you. When they stop being useful to you, you stop loving them. Um, and, you know... <laughs> The only one that you actually think, do you know what he actually loves, is Cap, um, because he's the only one who he sees is he just wants to, he's just doing it for the game, whereas the rest of them, including Jay Fox, who actually basically tells him that he has no love for the game at all, he's just doing it for the fucking money uh, and the fame, and he, he kind of thinks, well, do you know what, fuck it, you're doing it for the money and the fame. I'm ready to fucking. I would. I think that the next, if, if there was any given Sunday too, it would just be Pacino ploughing fucking Fox in the ground. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I mean, I, I, and I will say as well, it makes this film makes me want to watch American football. Yeah, but I, the, the the tactics and whatnot of it all are really really interesting. Like the kind of like the. Like, because I like the the, co- the the shots of like Al Pacino like looking at the other coaches. Yeah. Like, like the other coach at the other them, side. Yeah. You know, like that whole kind of like coming up with tactics and trying to work out what the other side's doing in that kind of way, and then having it play out on. It, it, it would be almost like if um like with with like uh, it, like soccer if they just I don't know like every time the ball went out or something they just said right okay we're gonna try this now they actually went over to the coach and said right we're going to try this play now or something like that you know which that, that's actually quite interesting to me yeah I mean, it, it, American football it, it seems like the sort of um, it seems like the sort of sport where I need to watch it a, a, a couple of times with somebody who really knows about it and who wouldn't mind me being sat there going what does this mean what does that mean what's happening here mm-hmm. And like so, I could get to understand what's going on because it it, just, it seems like there's quite a lot to it, um, and it's the sort of thing that I'd like to get interested in, but it seems like it'd take me a long time to actually understand it. Um, I, in very sense, I mean, I'm a huge football fan, um, regular proper football, not um, stolen <laughs> name football, um, and you know, I, I but I've got a lot of friends who aren't football fans. 
Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm very much a football defender. When people go, oh, it's just a bunch of guys running around on the pitch. I'm, I'm very much of the opinion of like, is it? All right then. Do you know what? You, you, you can earn multi millions of pounds doing it. So why, why don't you do it? If it's just somebody running around kicking a ball into a net, why isn't everybody doing it? Why isn't everybody paid two hundred grand a week to do it? Now, with any sport, there is a, there is a level of skill and I played football to a very high level um, youth football to a very high level well I mean you, you did play for Stoke City in uh, the Premiership me yeah <laughs> yes I did uh, no I was <laughs> I Sorry. was I was at um, um, Sheffield United um, when they were in the Premier League I was I was part of their youth team not the I never and that was up to I was 14 then I, my, my knee got fucked and I couldn't play anymore um, but I I I've played against some Premier League players now, and even at that point, at that age of 14, they were fucking streets ahead of everybody. You know, they were ridiculous. Um, and you could, you know, they were so much quicker, faster, stronger, and everything. And there was a level with sport. Um, and, you know, I think I'd love to be able to get into American football, but I get the feeling it'd be really difficult. Uh, yeah, uh, I I don't know. I might give it a go. Actually, I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to give it a go off the back of this. I'm going to try and get into it because I think there's a new season starting soon. Yeah, apparently the draft starts in a couple of weeks. See, that fascinates me. The idea of the draft—it's a very fair way to do something, or it seems very fair. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's corrupt as hell, but it seems very fair. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 yeah. Sorry, I just I'm looking at NFL stuff. I'm, I'm just very interested. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, we can probably wrap up on any given Sunday here. Um, sure. I think it's a great film. I, I, I'm, I'm shocked that I haven't watched it um, in like 13, 14 years, and I think I will end up watching it again a few times over the next few years because it's a, it's a real, like you say, it's a sprawling film, like. Like Stone does when he does things well. Um, like Scarface. I know it's not a Stone film, but in terms of the story, it feels similar to that. But about American football. Abs- yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I think it's a, a cracking film. And I'm not super into my sports movies, but I, I like the politics of it all. I, I do like the, the, the Jamie Foxx kind of like zero to hero kind of thing going on i like uh, oliver stone's directorial style it just it's a really really fun film really fun yeah i, I yeah I, I i agree i think it's a fun film and it's a great watch and it it bounces along despite the fact that it's two hours 40 minutes long it it it, it ticks along at a nice pace and i think it's helped by the fact that the in-game the in-game bits are very well done 100% absolutely I mean, there is a, a horribly cringy moment where the guy loses his eye oh, that bit is fucking brilliant oh, you know, I, I, that, that was the bit that I remembered most about this film um, and I was literally for the entire time it, it was going I remember it happening but I didn't remember where it was and I was thinking oh the bit with the eyes coming up in a minute now and it's horrible <laughs> right um, that was any given Sunday um not sure who our next marathon is going to be. I'm sure me and Ian will discuss it in the next couple of days. Um, 
and we'll we'll, we'll work out who the hell it's going to be. We... American football films. <laughs> yes, we we could do that at some point. <laughs> I'm sure there's enough we could. Actually, we'll look into that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed our Oliver Stone uh, marathon because he's one of my favourite directors. So it, it it fitted in quite nicely. It gave me an excuse to watch some of his earlier films that I might never have actually watched. Nice. And any given Sunday, it's definitely not shit. Definitely not shit. Right, uh, Twitter questions. We have a couple. Um, let me just get to them. Da, 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 da. Um, Andy Lonsdale uh, on Andy Lonsdale on Andy Lonsdale twenty one. Sorry, on Twitter. Um, question for the next uh, for the show next time. What's the best use of Swedish furniture in a film? Um, this question is related to the fact that uh, I happened to comment on a picture that Ian took on Twitter and said, we have the same table, and we do, and it's from Ikea. Um, so, Ian, best use of Swedish furniture in a film. I have a feeling we might both say the same film. Hmm. Um, the catalogue bit from Fight Club? Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is the best use of not only... It's one of the best uses of a brand in cinema, and it, it's a wonderful shot as well. It, 100%. It, yeah. It's like an Ikea advert in a film, but it completely misses the point. It's a very critical moment, but I, I guarantee you Ikea got business out of that. Without... Well, it's like Starbucks getting it as well. Like The product placement in that film is so fucking weird, but, you know, fair play to them. Yes, uh, I've only got a couple of questions on this one. I think it's because we did it on a Sunday and we put the question out Sunday evening. So, you know, not a lot of people about. And it was a nice, warm Sunday for a few people. Uh, after his recent, This is from um, Team Zizu. Uh, after his recent performances, do you think that Gosling is the top leading man in Hollywood? Yes. Uh, well, a, a top or the top? It is the top. Oh, no. That he's the top, I think he is, he is now a top leading man which I think is one of the reasons why he's kind of going to not make films for a year or so. Um, because I don't, I don't think he's one of those acts who goes, oh, I don't like the pressure of fame or anything like that. I just, I, I, I don't think, um, I don't think he wants to, um, I don't think he wants to be thought of as a leading man. Um, no, yeah, I, well, I don't, I don't know whether it's that. I just like because I remember reading an interview with him saying that he was just he was he was getting bored with seeing him yeah, I, around yeah. all the time. So I think, I think it's that part. I think he likes being a leading man in films, but I don't think he likes the fact that there's fucking posters of him and the fact that you know talk shows now. Uh, sorry, oh, fucking, the, the fact that you know the, the, the talk shows are talking about him and the fact that. You know, I think he finds all of this amusing, but kind of sees it long term as um, he. I don't think he likes the "oh, this is a new Ryan Gosling film" idea. Yeah, I think he, yeah, that's uncomfortable. I'd also throw Bradley Cooper. I think Bradley Cooper is now up there as you know one of the top leading men. Um, who else is out there? I, you know, Will Smith. I don't know. I, I think his star is 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 similar to um, Tom Cruise. Uh, I think they're they they're now going down. They they've gone 
as far up as they're going to go, they're only going to start to come down a little bit. Um, I would say Will Smith. Um, I, I think that there's ready for a new breed to be ushered in um, of sort of big leading men. Um, I don't think Joseph Gordon-Levitt's quite there yet, but I think he could get there. Um, you know, it's difficult. I, I think at the moment we've got a lot of um, a lot of very strong actors, um, and the movie star thing is kind of taking a, a backseat as such. You know, yeah, that's fair. There's a core group of very strong actors with you know people like Gosling and Josh Gordon-Levitt. Um, you've got Tom Hardy, um, and you know people like that. Uh, Bradley Cooper, I think, now falls into that. Um, I, I, you know, they're not the movie stars that we had in the late nineties, early noughties. They're very much they're more focused on the acting bit of it, um, and you know, movies. You know, the movie stars nowadays are Iron Man and Captain America. They're the movie stars, um, whereas the actors who are playing them are, are, you know, are more focused on becoming that that person as such. That's interesting. Yeah, the stars are now actually the, the kind of the characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the fact that we, we have all assimilated so easily to the idea of blockbuster season starting in April and having one big scene and and then running till September and you know that's it there you are this is my blockbuster season um, and that's gradually crept in and it, it, it's now a thing that's it it's going to be a staple from now on you know yeah. summer blockbuster season um, and that that's that's where we are now um, and we're going to have the Marvel movies and then we're going to have the non-Marvel movies. We're going to have the big sci-fi one and, you know, we're going to have the big fucking disaster film effects picture. Um, and that that's the way these things are going to go now. And is it good? Is it bad? I, I, I'm not sure. Um, what I would say is as long as we get a lot of entertaining movies out of it, then why not? You know, but I do think that it's... It, the way that it is bad is what we then get is we get October, November, and then January, uh, because you know December we get the Christmas movies and the holiday movies, but for sort of September, October, and then January we get all of the the more weighty movies and the you know the you know speech marks fucking uh, worthy movies crammed yeah. into these little bits here, these little pockets where. We're now expecting that's when we're going to get the big movies. Um, and these are less kind of thrown out there. So it's hard to stumble upon something than it used to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so uh, I, th- I think that about wraps up this episode. Uh, I've oh. got a few questions oh, on my questions. thing. Oh, brilliant, cool. Go. Uh, Mondo Dan, what are your favourite movie twists and which twists are simply stupid? Um... One of my favourite movie twists um, is Old Boy. Uh, I think that's glorious. Um, that is such a a fucking gut punch. Uh, the, the, the twist in that once you once you work it out, it, it it's horrible. Um, and it's it, it, it's so well played uh, and so well done and so surprising. I think that's a that is the the incredible one that kind of 
that jumps into my mind. Um, uh, um, Le, uh, Le Diabolique came up to me straight away. Yeah. Um, the Usual Suspects. Oh, God, yes. That's, that's marvellous, that one. Um, to an extent, Vertigo, even though that film's not about the twist at all, but I... I I quite liked how that, that how I like how the last half hour forty minutes of Vertigo plays out. Um, stupid ones. Um, uh, the village. The village is fucking stupid because it, it, it's not a twist. You know it. Uh, the Anne Hathaway director video film Passengers. Not seeing that. Absolutely retarded twist. You like shit films, I so you like probably. I, I think you should watch Passengers. Passengers, right? I shall add it to my list of shit films to watch. It's fucking terrible. Um, it's her and Patrick Wilson. Um, yeah. Um. Oh, uh, another one. Nine Angel Hearts. Great twist. To... Oh, that is a good twist. Uh, I'm just trying to fucking think. Uh, Memento is a very clever twist. Uh-huh. Um, the Prestige. Yes. Um, there's a lot of very clever twists out there. Um, oh, what, there's, there's, and there's, there's probably fucking a load of really shit ones as well. Um, but I'm, I'm struggling to think of any really fucking really bad ones right now. Um, yeah. Don't know. Fuck. I like movies that have twists. Um, but I don't like people. I don't, I don't like a movie to tell me it's got a twist, um, because that kind of takes you a little bit out of the idea of a twist. Is if it tells you it's got a twist, because True. then you constantly start going, going, what's the twist? 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 And you know, it, it can stop you from watching the movie because you're constantly looking for the twist in the movie. Um, so it, it takes you out of it to an extent. Um, Plenty of horror movies have bad twists in them, I'd say. Um, for instance, um, the the twist in um, Scream 2, I thought was retarded. Um, or the reveal, I suppose. They're more reveals than twists. Um, so, right, what what else have we got? Uh, TGB 73. Um, even though it's probably a question more for next week. Um, how would you rank the four Evil Dead films from best to worst? Um you haven't seen the Evil Dead remake yet, have no, you? No, I haven't. Um, so four, I guess that's the three, and then this one. Uh, yeah, we'll probably leave that question for next week, then, I'd say, because we're going to be uh, Evil Dead next week. I'll, I'll say as a little preview, two, one, three, four, from best to worst, but uh, four, that that shouldn't say four. too much about what I think of four. Right. So it maybe saying best to worst would, would be a, 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 a bad way to phrase that uh, yes right, cool um yeah I, I, i'm 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 still looking forward to people dead um so yeah have we got any more questions yeah two yeah, actually cool. um uh, even though at pdx creep are you sarah connor uh yes no i am oh, oh wow uh, all right uh, i have a facebook question actually um from noel um which is what Mella? from yeah oh bloody hell from noel which is, question for the show, where the hell am I going to be able to watch the FA Cup final at Mike and Hannah's wedding? <laughs> oh, shit. Um, no. The oh, way... that's pretty funny. Shit. From, 
from what I can work out, right now, this is this is how any wedding goes, and this isn't a slur on weddings, right? Um, what happens is, is you go to a wedding, you have the the ceremony, and then you have an hour of clickety clickety pictures, right? Of which, if you are the bride, groom, best man, or direct relative of bridegroom, you are important. You are relevant there. If you are not, then essentially you're there to kind of wait until the big group photos or a photo with the boys or a photo with the girls, and you're there to go in that. But, you know, you're, you're peripheral to that, essentially, if you're not part of that direct bit. Would you agree with me there? I've been someone who got married recently. Oh, yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. I've worked out that will fall around the same time as the kickoff of the FA Cup final. Isn't kickoff like quarter past five this year? Is it? Yeah. That's retarded. I swear they did that last year as well. He's still doing um, that. All right, well, that, that, that throws out mine. I thought it was at four o'clock. <laughs> hang That's on. Let me look o'clock. it up. Oh, all right. No, hang on. Saturday the 11th of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Are they getting married? Yeah, they are getting married on the 11th, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I know this as well because it's Rebecca's, uh, my wife's 30th birthday. Hang on, about. I'm looking on WembleyStadium.com. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's Becky's fucking birthday, yeah. Um, bloody hell, WembleyStadium.com. Do you seriously not actually say what time it is? What time it is? It is on at... I don't know. I don't know. Right. So, if it's on at three o'clock, I think we can watch it possibly on a TV in the bar. If not, if we can get Wi-Fi, we can watch it on some kind of portable device. Now, of course, Mike and Hannah, when you are listening to this, because I'm sure you both do listen, your wedding is more important than the FA Cup final. But if we can sneakily watch it, we will. Would you agree? It says kick-off TBC oh. um, on BBC Sport. Oh, don't know then. That could be interesting. Um, right, what, what were the, you had a couple of other questions, didn't you? Uh, just one more. Uh, at Matt Poacher asks, watched Hard Target the other night and have new Universal Soldier lined up for later. What's your favourite JCVD film? Uh, I've not watched many of his, so I'm going to leave this to you, Mark. Oh, I have. I have. Um, I I went through a phase when I was younger of watching a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme films. Um, my favourite probably still stands um, at uh, Absent Without Leave or Airwall. Um, or it's also called Leon, I think, as well. Uh, which is one where it, it actually has quite a good story. Um, his brother is killed by thugs. Um, he's burned alive. Um JCVD's character is in the French Legion. He goes absent without leave and then to help support his um, brother's young wife and young kid, um, he gets involved in the underground bare knuckle fighting scene. That's uh, great scene, yeah. And it, it, it's, it has a lot of actually quite good scenes and actually has quite a good story that is sort of peppered in with the ridiculousness of these underground. Um, fighting matches, which one of them has a great line where a guy says to just uh, JCVD, 
Um, you're pretty. I don't know whether I fight you or fuck you. <laughs> um, there's that one. Death Warrants, a fucking great movie. Um, Nowhere to Run's a great movie. JCVD's a fun movie. Um, he's actually made some pretty good movies. Um, and he's made some shite. Um, the drunk, the drunk fighting scene in Kickbox is great. Good. So yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't have enough knowledge of JCVD. Then at some point when we move on to actors for our marathons, we should do a JCVD. Be- that would be fine. Uh, uh, before Hollywood JCVD, when he was basically doing like fucking director video stuff. I would be up for that. <laughs> yeah, we, we, well, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss. <laughs> nice. Right. Um, I, that is episode 18, I think. Uh, boom! Boom. Um, iTunes reviews, uh, any feedback, questions, any time throughout the week, we'll keep them. Um, next week's show will be The Evil Dead, um, and it will also be the start of a new marathon, which we will announce uh, at some point over uh, the Twitter. Um, so, thank you very much for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed us gushing over the place beyond the pines. Boom, yes, a, absolutely. A wonderful movie. Um, anything you need to add in? Nah, man, I think I'm good. Cool. I think I'm good. Right, thank you very much, guys, uh, and we'll see you in the next show. Bye.